right across Australia, right across, uh, you know, the Faith FM network, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, and across from me is... Lyle! Yep. He's here. Yeah, and you're supposed to introduce me. Oh, am I? Yeah. Okay, okay, so you're listening to the Double L team with Lyle and... Lawson! There you go. <laughs> Let's go. Right. Lyle, you're having some technical difficulties there. No. Oh, no, okay, that's right. Just some human difficulties. <laughs> yeah, bro. I had to sneeze at the last second. <laughs> A classic blunder. So it was like, Lawson, you've got this. Yep, I'm here. So I'm you're ready. supposed to ask me what I'm thankful for and how... Oh, what yeah, what are you thankful for, Lyle? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for friends who turn up with board games. Oh, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. That is always good friends when they turn mm-hmm. up with board games. Mm-hmm. So we had, and you had uh, a good time? Oh, yeah, of course. Dude, that's amazing. Turned up Friday, hung out, played good board games and uh, over lunch and then came back again on Sunday for another dose. Oh, mate, double the way board from games one weekend. Let's go. Yes. That's so good. Lyle. Yes. You wouldn't even understand how good of a weekend I've had. Well, like, like, I don't think you understand just... Joy until yes. you've walked in my shoes. No, I just had such a good weekend. <laughs> I, just, I just had the most epic weekend. Okay, let's quickly let's quickly start to finish. So, 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 so I understand that. Uh, well, I got a new guitar. Yeah, I got a new guitar too. Okay, dude, good times. Okay, so Friday we run a barbecue at the uni. A bunch of people want to join our church and do stuff with us. It was amazing. Friday night have care group. Uh, I taught on Denny chapter one. Had amazing food. Hung out with people. It was amazing. It was, it was epic. Church on, on Saturday. Got together. Leah Hodge came and told testimony. Amazing. Uh, lunch afterwards, we ate food that was really nice. We had a vegan cooking class yesterday. It was amazing. We had a fire on Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, it was just, just the best weekend. So you had a lot of food this weekend. Oh, so much food. food so many worship, friends. guitar, friends, yep. fellowship. Jack Miller won the MotoGP last night. Twice in a row. Wow. So I'm be excited. Best weekend ever. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have some positively different news. I had positively different news this morning, Lyle. Oh, as I mentioned before, I'm not going to devote a whole segment to it, but essentially Jack Miller won the MotoGP last night. You know, I've mentioned... Second time in a row. Second time in a row. He's, he is on an absolute roll. Uh, as You know, as we talked about... Yeah, so uh, once, once, once is a fluke, but two in a row? Yeah. No, and dude, you last, can't argue with last that. Last night, he smoked them. Like, he absolutely demolished <laughs> them. Like, it was... It was, it was he, he's and it's put him in contention for the world championship too. Now he's like in the mix with everyone, and it's like he's a serious threat. Anyways, and I was I was you know watching the MotoGP last night, and then I come across this story this morning, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. They somehow relate, but essentially, um, Continental Tires, which is like a big, well-known tire company, yep. tire, uh-huh. tire company uh, they have reverted back to they are doing some testing, making rubber. From dandelions. Dandelions? Yes. So this is actually a, a, a technique developed by uh, the Soviets during World War II to become more self-sufficient. Yes. Is that they came up with a way to extract rubber and create tyres from dandelions. And this, of course, would have been as a result of, you know, the extremities of war and yes. being able to access resources. And mm-hmm. you can't exactly grow, grow rubber trees in yeah. Russia. You can't just head down to Brazil and... You know, yes. pick, pick some up and bring them back. It's interesting some of the things that they came up with. I mean, the Japanese were running their aircraft on oil that they were making from, like, pine trees or something or other. Yeah. 
But these guys, well, they, they've brought this technology back, essentially in the name of sustainability. They're like, and it's good too. They're like, how can we use the single most annoying plant species that has ever existed ever, a.k.a. dandelions. If anyone has a garden or a yard and dandelions can get in there, they know that literally these things are just impossible to stop. They're, yes. they're uh, an invasive... So you make it out of the leaves or out of the root? Um, I'm pretty sure you just... Mate, just get the whole thing. Just get the whole thing, crunch it up, yep. and put it into, into a tie mould and out comes ties. Yeah, something like that. Dandelions. I wonder how many dandelions you have to have to make... You know, say a, a 35-inch mud tyre that I might want to put on my four-wheel drive. Well, you know what? Continental tyres are answering that question. They've started just with bike tyres at the moment, like bicycle tyres. Okay. And it's being, you know, bicycle tyres, you know, they're, yeah, yeah. they're high stress, high need. Uh-huh. And uh, it's working. So this is great. Yes, this because is amazing. you put a fair bit of PSI into a, into a bike tyre. Yeah, like 110, 100, 120 sometimes. But essentially, listen, listen, listen. Continental tyres, if you're listening... My yard has dandelions in it. Please come and pick them. Please come and take all my dandelions. Well, I'm just sort of thinking what happens once we start mass farming dandelions. Are they going to spread outside of the farms and are they just going to sort of, you know, take over the world? I mean, dandelions are kind of like that. They, literally. They take over your yard. Well, because the wind blows and then they reseed. It doesn't matter if you, like, pull them out of the ground. As soon as the, the wind blows, they just spread. So maybe maybe that's the future. Maybe the future is we will stop hating dandelions and we'll embrace we'll them embrace as the new lawn. Well, they are pretty. Like, they're pretty and yellow and yeah. cute. And bees love them too. That's the other thing that there they're saying. Go. This is actually right. really... This is stimulating the bee population, what they've done so far with their, like, controlled farming, is that, yeah, they've stimulated a, a, a small bee population. And when I say small, I mean, like, millions of bees. But, like, yes. they've stimulated this small bee population that is coming in and getting their nutrients from the dandelions and also, you know helping the dandelions grow. So this is just epic. I'm like, this is... this is. I never knew that the Russians used dandelions to make rubber in the Second World War, but I'm just super impressed by that. Yeah. The Russians it's, came up with some crazy technology mm, in the Second World War. It was yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Mate, getting it done. And now we're using it in, like, 2021. That's, like, the fresh new... The fresh take. So I guess that... that well, Continental from this is, have already won a number of, like, environmental consciousness awards, you know, developing new tech... Um, in Europe, where they take that kind of thing really seriously, it's like a like a they have like these uh, big prestigious awards that go on. Like Continental are killing it, so it seems as though I, we're we're going to live in a future where our tires are made out of dandelions. Some other news, Lyle. I remember you telling me that you come from a part of the world where there is particularly rare wood. Yes, the human pine. Yes, from the human valley. Yes. How much does human pine go for at the moment? It uh, depends whether it is uh, plain or bird's eye. Okay. Which one's more expensive? Bird's eye. And how much does it go for? Uh, uh, I, think, I think a quarter of inch of uh, human pine is worth more than a quarter of an inch of gold. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, this... I don't have to check, but it, like, oh, I, think that was, I think that was what I did calculate one time. Dude, that it's literally... As bird's eye. It's incredibly expensive. Yes. Well, there's a number of, like, rare woods around the world, rosewood, uh, and then all sorts of things, like, you know, people use, like, elephant ivory and all this stuff that's become illegal because... And that's what makes it so expensive. I have a piece of ebony at home. Oh, wow. And I've had it forever and I haven't found a project for it yet. Dude. It's amazing. It's just, like, black and hard. Well... 
Lyle, you may be able to source some more ebony slash human pine slash rosewood slash elf- elephant ivory slash all those things. Elephant ivory? Because, dude, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. A, uh, a, a tech startup starting out of San Jose University has essentially worked out how to 3D print rare woods, like wood grain itself. Ooh. So, okay. basically... Like, if you want the, uh, you know, I guess... But does it smell right? Does it have the right oils in it? Does it have the right uh, consistency? Does yeah, it last yeah. just so as long? Yeah, that's so what, that's what they're saying is that they, they 3D print these woods and then you're able to lacquer them up, you know, and and it's, dude, it's it's the stuff right here, Lyle. This is, again, in the name of conservation in, and in the name of luxury too. So because, they're, making, they're printing these out of plastic, right? Yeah, so, which is, which of course is a hydrocarbon, which is a fossil fuel. Yes. So, in the name of sustainability, they're using fossil fuels to replace something. Yeah, that, well, don't think about that. That, we'll, that, that grows they'll, naturally they'll out, out of the ground they'll and is a renewable resource. They'll, they'll figure <laughs> out. No, but the thing is that these trees are endangered, Lyle. Well. And, and there is like, and and also the animals as well are endangered too. And there's like a ninety-five billion dollar business, like black market Actually, okay, in illegal so, woods. So if, in illegal timber. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm I'm all for uh, the, particularly the elephant ivory. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great idea because if you can 3D print elephant ivory, then they stop killing elephants because they just destroy the market for uh, poached elephant ivory. Mm. But yeah, essentially, like they've been doing a bunch of tests, they've been making a bunch of different furnitures, they've been lacquering it up different ways. Because where the d- demand is particularly high is in China uh, for these rare woods, and and because especially because like they're it, really with rosewood as well, like, because it's deep red color. They're like, it's very important to them culturally. They're like, yes, epic redwood. And it's like a, you know, a symbol of opulence and wealth and all these different things. But now they can just completely destroy that industry because they can just 3D print rosewood. That's pretty cool. That's actually good. It's actually good. And and obviously in the future, you know, they're going to- I'm a cabinet maker by trade. Yeah. I'm a bit of a purist. Uh Uh-huh. There's no no substitute for- Say a nice piece of myrtle or Tasmanian blackwood or mm. you know human pine something like that. I think they they're, they're going to do a bit of a Pepsi challenge with this thing. It, it might be like you know see to believe kind of thing. Yeah, maybe they should have a uh, a, a competition. Yeah, maybe they're not in that stage yet. Find so out. it hasn't happened yet. Can right. you recognise which is the real one and which is the fake? <laughs> that that would definitely be the test right now. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, where should we start with today's stories? All of them make me feel a little bit uh, squeamish, but anyway, uh, here's the first one. Why are kids being uh, targeted by adult performers? So adult shows are obviously for adults and sort of, you know, not the kind of thing that you and I would go to, but there are two p- people who do go to that, but it certainly shouldn't be a place where children should be either performing or being targeted And there has recently been this story about Logan Kelly, who started performing uh, in an adult show at the age of 10. So this was at a club called Taboo, which is in North Ipswich. And it's a show that uh, is advertised as a family show. What it is, is is it's a a, a drag queen show. Uh, He was called on stage and uh, be uh, to be a part of this show at the age of 10 and has now is now known as Candy Featherbottom. Okay, so I when you said adult show, I kind of didn't understand what you meant, but now that it's all clicked, I'm like 
sex shows. This you is know, shows with a sexual theme. This is terrible. Yes. This is awful. It's advertised for all ages. No. Like, okay, so, so, like, what, like, how is this legal? So, so drag queens have fully sexualized names, raunchy acts, we know how this is, and basically it's all about, you know, a sexual fetish. Mm. A, a fantasy, fantasy sex. I, again, how is this legal? How are underage people... Don't even ask me. Don't even ask me. Don't even get me started. I I don't... I used to kind of be in the concert scene. I don't get into it anymore. Like, you know, this is before I was a Christian. And there's just so much red tape around that about, you know, who can go to what shows and licensing and um, all this kind of thing. Like, you know, age restriction. Um, And the government is just, like, just uh, uh, with music, massively puts like dampening restrictions on those so that these kind of situations don't happen. Yet, with these shows, which I don't even want to like... Because there's an ideology behind it and because if you stand up and say anything about it, you're going to be shouted down, that's how they get away with it. And they know they can get away with it because the bully crowd out there, the ideological bullies out there, will protect them. But this is pretty much like... This is like abuse, Lyle. Of course it's abuse. Like, this is, this is, this isn't even like further, you know, because they do that, like the whole like trans, like the drag queen reading thing. This isn't even just Same. furthering the normalization well, yeah, that's right. That's right. of, of, you know, LGBT sexualization of sexualizing. Children. It gives the LGBT community a bad name, is what this does. Yeah. It makes them look bad. They should be the ones who are standing up the most and the strongest against it. Yeah, wow. Because it's, this is terrible, and, yes. and I know there are a bunch of people in the LGBT plus community who are absolutely horrified at. Mm. Anyway, okay, so uh, second German Reformation. So the Reformation, the Great Reformation of the 16th century, started in 1517. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue was salvation by grace, and there were a bunch of German reformers who came out and said, "No, we are saved by grace, not by works." Mm. That led to the formation of a bunch of princes who protested against the Roman Catholic Church, yes. which was the ruling church of the time. Uh, from that protest against the Roman Church, uh, we now have protesting or protestant churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the origin of them, the Lutheran Church being one of those Protestant churches. And uh, what has happened in Germany at the moment is that the German priests and bishops have kind of rebelled against the Catholic Church for the second time, uh, this time with mass blessings for same-sex couples. And what, oh, wow. this, what this is going to do is it's going to force Francis to take a stand because mm-hmm. this has been an area on which Francis has just stayed out of it. Uh, he has left the traditional position in place. At the same time, he has you know, kind of made hints towards leniency and what they're trying to do is basically force his hand. It's like you need to take a stand now. Where, which, which side are you going to be on? And it will be interesting to see what happens if he doesn't take a side, or if he does take a side. Didn't Francis already say, because like, there was some leniency towards it, but then he ultimately said that he can't bless sin? Yes. So this was uh, fairly recent where the, it was actually a statement by the Inquisition, mm-hmm. um, the Holy Office for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is also known as the Inquisition, came out and made that statement that you can't bless sin, we can't go this far. Uh, the Bible says this is sin. Mm. And I, you know, it's kind of a weird thing when, for me, to uh, back something that the Inquisition says. Yeah, well. 
But in this case, they have stood by the Bible. Now, the question that goes through my mind is that there are a bunch of issues on which the German priests could make a stand for which they have a biblical precedent, very, mm. very strong biblical precedent. Uh, so, so my question is, why stand here? Why make a stand on blessing same-sex marriages? Why not make a stand on something like a married priesthood? Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible has very strong precedent for a married priesthood. Uh, the Bible has very strong statements in favour of marriage, and they have a you know they could take a stand on something that they have a biblical mandate for. Yeah, wow. Now, here's the other really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your uh, your conservative Roman Catholics are against LGBT plus mm-hmm. uh, marriages, and they are every they are also very pro the office of the Pope. Mm-hmm. So where do they end up if the Pope does come out in favour of LGBT plus marriages? Mm. Well, because they, they can't. They, because they, these are the, the conservative ones, the ones who say, "Yeah, the Pope is infallible." Yeah. The liberal Catholics, they say, "No, no, the Pope's not infallible. We're going to follow the Holy Spirit." Yeah. So you can see why, why they can see for flexibility, but the conservative ones who are like, "No, the Pope is infallible," and no, we can't have, we can't bless LGBT plus. They're going to be pushed into a very, very yeah. tight corner here, and I think. I'm glad I'm not Francis right now. Man, this could all be, yeah, this could be the beginning of a of a crisis there. It could. It mm. could. It's it very interesting to watch what happens in that space. The uh, Anglican uh diocese in Sydney has just elected a new uh bishop and uh, this is interesting because the Anglican Church in Sydney is pretty much the only place in the world where you have Anglican low church, which is Anglican uh evangelical church. Mm-hmm. So this is uh evangelical Anglicans. And they've just elected their first bishop, who is a migrant, mm-hmm. uh, who is an ex-Buddhist, yeah, wow, well. and who is a person of color. This person's yeah, I name about is this. Kanishka Rafael, and he was converted to Christianity when he was in, in his twenties uh, from uh, being raised as a Buddhist from Sri Lanka. Mm. And now it's interesting because you know once again. It was the Sydney Diocese that took a very, very strong stand against same-sex marriages and took a biblical stand back when we had the plebiscite, mm. donated $1 million to supporting the no vote, campaigning for the no vote. So that was very, very significant. And you have somebody who's a migrant, an ex-Buddhist, and a person of colour being elected, and you would think, well, you know, maybe this person is going to head the opposite direction to his predecessor, but the answer is actually no. Mm. because what he's pointed out is that where the church has compromised the most, the church is the weakest. Yeah, wow. And we actually covered this last week because uh, when the church, when the Anglican church in the United States uh, back in 2003 uh, decided to, uh, to ordain LGBT plus priests, their membership literally fell off a cliff mm. and continues to fall to the point that they will cease to exist as yeah, a denomination wow. Uh, in 20 years from now, mm. by 2040. So, massive stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so let's uh, head over to our interview of the day. Joining us on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, Lyle and Lawson, and good morning, dear listeners. Good to be with you this morning. It's a 
crispy morning, fresh morning. Where we are at the moment, sun's shining and it's about 12 degrees, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, well, 12 degrees is probably a little bit warmer than what we're getting down here in Newcastle. But anyway, your phone is a little bit scratchy there. If there's anything you can do to uh, maybe sit in a better place or, or something or other, it, um, it would be fantastic. But uh, Etienne, what is happening around the world? Right, well, your persecution will continue while there are people with rebellious hearts and uh, really that includes all of us until the gospel of Christ shines on us and transforms and changes our lives. But there are many who oppose it. And the interesting thing is many of those opposers finally actually also become followers of Christ once, you know, they, all their prejudice is broken down and uh, the gospel of Christ softens their hearts when they see something better. And really, when we, uh, when we preach the gospel, we're really preaching the constitution of heaven and the love for God for sinners. He came to seek and save the lost, and we as witnesses for Christ and his truth are to do the same. However, we are to expect opposition. Jesus said, if they'll persecute me, they'll persecute you also. So around the world, we continue to get stories the need for great and persecution is growing around the world as there seems to be a growing animosity towards the Christian worldview. Not only here in Australia, but in many parts of the world where there has been persecution already. In China, uh, more and more the uh, the government is clamping down the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, on Christians and their ability to share. Even the official churches, it's now a little bit harder for people. I don't know if I when I spoke to you last month, but they've just banned you having a copy of the Bible on your um, on your mobile uh, device. Now, in 2018, in February, they outlawed it for you to actually what they banned the sale and also the downloading of um, of Bibles on your phone. At that time, they just sort of blocked those sites, but now they've made it illegal. So slowly but surely, they are tightening the loose, so to speak, around Christians. And it's very tough for the underground church, but the underground church is made up of uh, millions and millions of Christians who don't want to be part of the official church quite simply because the gospel has to be watered down to comply with the regulations of the Chinese Communist Party. Now, Voice of the Martyrs obviously works to support those who uh, work in the underground church, and especially those who are deep underground. And we do a lot of work in the communist world and also uh, in the countries where Hinduism is on the ascendancy and that nationalistic Hindu view in India is uh, gaining momentum and is making it harder for Christians. And then, of course, we also work in the Islamic world where Christians are persecuted as well and a few other places, but those basically are the big three. And then secularism out in the West. And uh, our... Our ministry is based on Revelation, sorry, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3, where it tells us to remember the prisoners as chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And what it means with the word body there, it just simply means the body of Christ, Christ being the head of the body. And it's interesting when we look at those texts there in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, it starts with verse 1, where it says, let brotherly love continue. Now the word let and continue there is a word called, uh, in Greek, Mino, and it's actually the same word as to abide. So love needs to abide amongst God's people. Then it talks about those who we don't know. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers. Then it gets a little bit closer. Uh, after it says, do not forget about strangers. It says, remember the prisoners as in chained with them, those who must treat it. So these are now people who are part of that household of faith. And then, of course, the fourth verse there talks about marriage and now you're getting right into your family relationship. So it starts out with the outer perimeter, strangers, and then those in prison. And the God doesn't want us 
to be ignorant concerning what's happening to the body of Christ around the world, those who are in prison, those who are mistreated. And the word remember there in Greek is meniskomai, which is an intentional remembrance, to be deliberate about it. And God, time and time again in the Bible, of course, has to remind us about these very important things. So how can we remember people? Well, you can sign up to our um, newsletter because, I mean, we are. It's a, it's, a, it's a directive from God for us to remember these people. And if you go to vom.com.au and you click on the register button, if you register to our printed newsletter, and I would suggest that would be the best one first because uh, inboxes and emails get clogged up so quickly, um, you will be able to actually get a free gift at the moment. And even if you uh, sign up to the uh, the email version of our monthly newsletter, that's fine too. But we have a hardcover book, and it's Wormbrand, Torture for Christ, a Complete Story. So this is the story of him and his wife. And it actually starts with them in their secular years when they were atheists, when they didn't actually believe in God. So this hardcover book is available for free if you go and sign up to our newsletter. And why sign up to the newsletter? Because it will inform our prayer on behalf of persecuted Christians around the world. And uh, we often get prayer requests. For example, uh, I'll just go through just the three little points we've got from, uh, from Korea, our Korean office, Voice of the Martin in Korea, where they've asked us to pray for one of our disciples' base leaders who was taken into police custody and later released. Uh, he was tortured, but remained calm and continued to understand and trust God and that God is in control. So this is one of the guys that has been trained up by our Voice of the Martyrs uh, office in South Korea. He ministers in North Korea now. He's gone back into that very hostile area. It's, uh, by the way, North Korea is the worst country for persecution of Christians in the world. And uh, he's, uh, he's remained very calm. And somehow God sustained him through the whole process. And then we have another group of people we work with actually in China. Now, Pastor N and his congregation uh, have been threatened by the, the Chinese Communist Party uh, recently. So now the Yemeni's church are actually looking to seek asylum in an under, undisclosed country. So we're praying for them as well. Then we have one out of Russia. Now, several Protestant seminaries have lost their education licenses in Russia. And we've been asked to pray for the denomination leaders to be faithful in the midst of this growing persecution in Russia. Now, it's interesting if you look at Russia. Uh, Russia, just in the last uh, year or two, actually outlawed the Jehovah's Witnesses. They've become an illegal religious entity. And, uh, you know, it reminded me when I looked at this, because I shared it with a, a leader here in Australia. And when I said to him, oh, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have been outlawed in Russia, he goes, oh, good. Well, actually, I don't think that's quite the right approach to it. Because irrespective of we stand for religious freedom, even if we disagree with people's teachings and doctrines, we should still agree that they have the right to live according to dictates of conscience. Once you take that away, uh, you're on very dangerous ground. And I remember you guys spoke this morning about the Reformation just briefly and you know, what happened in Germany and so on, and uh, you know the, the princess there also protesting and uh, Martin Luther and what he did. But uh, Martin Niemöller, who was a German Lutheran pastor, wrote this little poem you know, when he was living under Nazi Germany. He says, first they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. 
Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak out for me. And I quite often think, you know, because it's not us, it's not my denomination, it's a stranger in another country, it's not even my ethnicity, we don't speak out for these people, but we need to. Mm-hmm. We need to be uh, people that, that speak out and are witnesses for the truth. And I think we've heard on a side of caution too long as the Christian church here in Australia, where, you know, in 1901, 96% of the population claimed to be Christian. We've now gone from the silent majority to the silent minority. Less than half of the people in Australia now uh, no longer associate with the, with the Christian worldview or claim to be Christians. And, of course, we've got another census. Uh, I'm not sure what they're doing under COVID, but there's uh, another census due this year. And we believe the numbers from 1611, which was 52%, would have dropped uh, below 48%, uh, even further possibly if the trend continued. So we want people to get informed and sign up to our newsletters. Um, we do a lot of work into Vietnam as well. And um, we have many prayer requests that come from Vietnam. There's just a few short ones here, uh, Lyle. It says, please continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in the highlands and mountainous areas who are being persecuted for Christ's sake. So the local authorities continue to entice. What they mean by entice, sometimes they put incentives in front of them to deny uh, their faith and uh, in Christ. They also arrest them, they threaten them, or they have uh, often these violent attacks on believers because of their faithfulness in following Jesus. Mm, mm. Now, recently, look, recently a deacon and his son were attacked by the local authorities there in Vietnam while they were on their way home from church. Now, after beating up the son, they smashed it through the bike down the hill. Uh, the son has since that time been suffering from ongoing headaches, so there's been some injuries there, chest pain, and we've had to step in just to provide financial support for them to get medical checkups and that because a lot of these people, you know, can't afford to pay for the expenses of going to a hospital. Uh, in another province, sorry, Lyle, you were going to say something? Yeah, I've just said something that was stirring around in the back of my head as I was listening to this because you talk about our need for standing up for everybody and not just ourselves. And I think one of the things that you you sort of get this impression from, you know, organisations like yourselves, maybe Voice of the Martyrs or you know, Australian Christian Lobby, that they're standing up for Christian freedom, uh, which is great and which is important. Uh but I liked what you said about standing up for religious freedom, particularly, you know, you talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses and you mentioned like, oh, you know, Russia's banned the Jehovah's Witnesses and there was a Christian leader here in Australia who said good because, you know, I don't agree with Jehovah's Witness theology. Um, but is it good when, you know, you know uh, another religion is taken down? And the next question, I guess, is how far does that extend? Uh, does it extend to the Uyghur Muslims in China, for instance? I mean, you've got a million of those, maybe two million of those who are imprisoned for their faith right now. Do we stand up for them as well? Look, I, I, my opinion is we do. We, we, we do speak out for, for the atrocities committed against them. And when we've looked into that information, by the way, in, in that area, there are also Christians having the same treatment. Yes. But uh, the, the area is predominantly um, Islamic. And uh, what they're doing now, they put them in these what they call re-education camps. But they are actually terrible uh, labor camps. Uh, we also know that there's organ harvesting. We know that families are separated and then the wives are then forced into marriages with, uh, with other Chinese uh, locals. Um, those are terrible things. And any person with a heart knowing what's going on should actually speak out against those things. Um, whether we agree with their religion or not, 
what we basically believe, every government has the right to protect their citizens. And they can actually legislate based on what they call the second table of stone, which is the second part of the Ten Commandments, which is our relationship with one another. Governments should protect the freedoms and liberties of their citizens. But when it comes to legislating in regards to the four, the relationship to God, we believe that no authority like that has been given to any government here on earth. When Jesus was uh, asked if he was a king or not, and he just said to Pilate, clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my, uh, you know, my disciples would fight, so I wouldn't be handed over. But my kingdom is not of this world. And so what we are, we actually have dual citizenship. We have citizenship here. We are accountable to the government in regards to civil matters. But in regards to religious matters, we actually are accountable to God. And every person on this planet will one day have to give an account before the judgment seat of Christ. And so it's very important to be able to separate between civil matters and religious matters. But when a government starts acting on religious issues, unless they are what they call protecting the freedoms of other people. And we've got to be very careful how we word that as well, because you know, it can be twisted. Um, we've got to be very careful. And, um, yeah, we, we should speak out for that. So what I always recommend before you speak out is that pray. Uh, ask for wisdom. Seek the word of God. Seek counsel on the matter and do it wisely. Uh, you don't want to run off uh, uninformed, you know, and you want the spirit of God to actually motivate your actions and make it worthwhile. It seems strange to me, Etienne, that you know, back in the day there was a time when we wouldn't send our our cricket team to you know South Africa. You can probably remember that that era as well from yes, uh, from the other side of the world, uh, coming from South Africa yourself. And yet we have no problem sending our team to the Beijing Olympics when they are committing just horrific abuses. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when money and big money is involved, you know, uh, we can sometimes compromise certain values. Um, anyway. That's a decision for the government to make, I guess, in regards to that, but I, I don't agree with it. I mean, I used to buy a lot of things out of China, and previously I used to even trade with China, but I'm uh, taking a second look, not because I don't like the Chinese, I have a high regard for Chinese people. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I do not agree with the current government. Uh, I'm sure there will be other people in China as well who do not agree, but for the sake of their own safety and security, uh, they won't speak out against it. It is a uh, totalitarian the state and it's becoming more arbitrary as time goes on. Etienne, we've got many things here that we need to be praying for and just looking at through through the uh, list of some of the countries that you listed here, places like Vietnam, uh, Russia, China, India, um, and there, of course, there are many other countries that we need to pray for, but these are some that we can be praying for. And uh, Voice of the Martyrs, vom.com.au for more information. Etienne McClintock, thank you so much for joining us again this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.